it's Alyssa, just with a quick note. As I was editing the podcast, I realized that there were some technical issues with the audio and there was a lot of echo coming in on Liv's track. So what I decided to do was only include the audio off of Liv's track because it was becoming way too much of a pain in the butt to edit um, all of the echoing out and it was just a real headache. So my audio is going to sound a little wonky. Uh, Most of it should still be audible. Um, I'm really sorry and we're working on fixing stuff like that in the future. Um, But I didn't want to delay releasing it because I am really excited for us to be back. So without further ado, here is the great return of Two's a Coven. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Liv. And this week, we're talking about witchcraft and religion. Hello. All right, so it has been a while, but we are back. As I explained in the triumphant return announcement, Andrew is going to be on hiatus until around May because they're in the midst of senior year. But we wanted to get back into the podcast, so I'm going to be bringing different guests on to discuss their paths and various topics. Our first guest is all-around fabulous human, and my dear friend, Liv Mamone. Hi, everyone. Hi. Liv, can you just start off by telling us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm Liv, and I am, this is my first official public anything as a witch. So I'm coming out of the broom closet for this episode of To the Coven. Um, right, I'm a very novice witch, so, uh, baby witch, that's, so I don't know how much help I'm gonna be on this podcast, but I'm gonna try. Um, That's okay, because a big part of our ethos is, like, hey, not everyone who talks about and enjoys witchcraft has been doing it for, like, 20-some months. Exactly, I've been doing it since March, so, yeah, that's, I'm very new to this. So right now I consider myself to be a spoony witch and a cardamancy witch, uh, that's gonna change, definitely, over time. Um, in my regular life, I'm an editor and poet and hopefully novelist soon, and, uh, also just started a tarot reading business, so that's where I'm at in, like, my, my real normal person life. That's awesome. So, uh, there's just a note here that says, don't forget to plug Game Over and Anomaly. Oh, okay, yeah, so... You might want to plug that. Yes, actually, yeah, let me actually plug my jobs. So, I work for a, um, a press that publishes poetry chapbooks called Game Over Press, um, which we are currently stocked up for the rest of the year on all the books that we are going to drop, but if you have a poetry chapbook that you are interested in getting out there to the world, please send it over our way. And I also just started working as the poetry reader for Anomaly Magazine, which is a an amazing uh, magazine for all different types of literature. So if you have anything that you would like to publish, we are actually open for submissions right now. So uh, that's, yeah, those are like my job jobs when I'm not editing freelance. Um, So if you also have a book that needs an editor, uh, I can also help you with that. Liv is also a fantastic poet in her own right, and she won't say that, so I will. No, thank you so much. Not I haven't written in like a year, so I'm I'm feeling a little disconnected from my poet self, but hopefully that will change when I get all my, my other work done. <laughs> all right. So one of the big things that Liv and I have in common is that we both came to witchcraft from non-witchy Catholic families. And because it is the season for Catholic guilt, that's what we're going to talk about. So just to start off, can you share about how you came from like a Catholic 
background and family into Satan worship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Witchcraft. <laughs> Satan worship. No, I promise it's not. I'm, like I said, I'm very new to the craft. I basically, growing up in a Catholic family, we were not a very Catholic family. We were what I call social Catholics. Um, not even Christmas and Easter Catholics. Like, I, the only religious rite I ever actually remember going through was my Holy Communion. Um, I didn't make confirmation because I knew as I started to get older that, that um, Catholicism just, like, wasn't working for me. I didn't really believe in it. I, kind of in your normal kind of adolescent sort of way. I was just definitely not not feeling it. And like, for those of you who don't know, confirmation is when you have to like get up as a teenager and like make your commitment as a Catholic adult to the religion and like say, I believe in this and I'm going to continue being a part of the Catholic Church. And I, I just didn't want to say it. I didn't believe it. And so I just didn't didn't want to stand up and say that that was true. I didn't want to, you know, make that commitment if it wasn't actually a real thing. Um, so yeah. then so oh, I actually did get confirmed. You did. OK, so you I actually did. know what's Can involved I talk a little bit about it. Yeah, it's a trip. So like communion, like baptism, no one remembers because it's when you're like two months old um, and communion. Like also no one really remembers because you're like seven. <laughs> I actually um, remember a lot about my communion because I got private communion lessons. My family, uh, we have a family friend who's a priest, and so he did my religious instruction privately. So I actually remember a lot about uh, communion because nobody else is involved. Just, <laughs> I was actually just talking to Andrew about communion, um, and that is a story that I will allow Andrew to tell. Oh, I can't wait to hear that story. It's, I'll tell you off off. Yeah, uh, we'll like, go off but... mic for that. <laughs> that is a story I will allow Andrew to tell because it is fantastic but i was explaining how like catholic communion works and how you're not supposed to receive it until you like get your first holy communion and how you have to take classes yeah there's school involved receive it yeah no i did religious ed from first grade to eighth grade me too like, oh my god i think i went up to like fifth grade or something but yeah i did a, i did a lot i did quite a few years and like but no because second grade at my church was the year you made communion and there was separate class, like there was separate communion because it would, you would do right. um, communion and you'd also do like first confession. Oh my like God. See, I never did that. Oh my God. Do they like teach you how to confess? Is that how that works? Yes. <gasps> like it was like memorizing the act of contrition and like, you know, the priest would come in and like walk us through like, so you can choose to go face to face or you can do it behind the curtain. Wow. And like, all of this and then you know there was it wasn't even like a whole big thing it was just everyone in the class went to the church one like saturday afternoon and like we all just like sat in a line and did confession and did our penances and then we left like see i i learned how to do confession literally from the movies we didn't start doing confession until my mom went back to church when i was in my teens i've never made confession but everything i know about it i everything i know about it i just know from films so it's good that you actually have a basis (laughs) yeah i did it twice um it was one of the bigger problems I had with the Catholic Church. Yeah, agreed, um, agreed. Um, up there with, you know, the, the child abuse. Yeah, up there with the, with the pedophilia, but, you know. Yeah, but um, I digress. Um, so, com- like, you know, communion's like a big deal, especially when you're a girl. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. You get the dress and the veil. They kind of, it's, it's kind of prepping you for what getting married is going to be like. It literally It's is. like prepping like, little children for, like, this is how it's going to go, basically. It is. 
it's gross. <laughs> it's gross. It's super But gross. also it was super fun because I was seven and I didn't understand. Yeah, no, I had a blast. I was really excited about <laughs> mine. And my dress was really cute. It had like, you know, little like crystal beading and stuff and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yours but sounds cute. Can you post a picture of your, do you have any pictures of your communion dress? I'd like to see I it. I will investigate because I have a couple of different things that I've been like trying to remember if there's pictures of. A bunch of stuff I think is on our old computer. Um that I just really don't care to try and dig through. Because I de- mine are, like, displayed out in our... Mine are on a mantle in our house, so I can just, like, we pop... We never got them framed. Um, I think there may be somewhere hiding amongst all of my stuff um, the photos of, like, myself and, like, the priest outside in front of the statue. Right, 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 Mary. right. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But, and then confirmation... Is when you were 12 at my school. It was seventh grade. Or at my church, rather. It was seventh grade. And let me tell you, seventh grade is the worst time. Seriously? Yeah. Because, no, like, aside from all of the religious, like, connotations of it, and, like, you're receiving the Holy Spirit and all of that stuff, do you want to know the, like, main physical act that occurs at a confirmation. Oh, tell me. I don't even know there is a physical part of You are anointed this. upon the forehead with holy oil. Oh, yeah, so your acne loves that, obviously. Yeah, I say, the worst thing to do to some freaking hormonal teens and preteens is slather a bunch of oil. On their faces. Consecrated or not. Great. Great. It's not going to work. That's that's bad. Can we get, like, some proactive? Can we can we yeah. just use some alcohol? I hope that works. Yeah, I was actually... It was almost, like, similar for me in a metaphorical sense. Because I think I was a little older. I think I was, like, 13 or 14 when we started talking about confirmation. Yeah. And and I remember just being like, I don't know anything right now. Like, I, I am not willing to, like, stake a claim to any I have no idea who I am I have no idea what life is going to be like I am like I it's the worst time metaphorically to like ask someone to like make a vow to something because at 13 you don't know what the hell is going on so like yeah yeah, so that was my thing I was like I'm not gonna like stand up and say I believe in this thing especially because not only do I not believe in it, my whole family doesn't believe in it, and I'm the only one who's got the courage to just be like, this is totally a social thing, we're totally doing this for, like, the ability to show people that we can have a party or something. I don't know, but, like, you know, I I don't want to... My grandmother was the big driving force behind it. My mother um, had left the church uh, after being raised very Catholic when me and my brother... I'm also disabled. I didn't mention that at the top of the show, but um, I have cerebral palsy and my brother has autism. And so when we were both diagnosed, my mom kind of got very angry and was like, this isn't going to be a part of my life anymore and left the church very publicly and was like, nope, out. And so when I decided I didn't want to make confirmation, my mom was very behind it and was very like, that's your decision to make, whatever. My grandmother lost it. And my grandmother was really upset. And I was like, but but you don't go to church, though. Like, it's not a part of your life, even. You just want to have the party. You just want to, like, show people something about having the party. So I didn't do that. And then um, a couple years later, my mom went back to church. She had a, a, a very, like, profound spiritual awakening and went, and went back to the Catholic Church and is now hugely involved and it's a huge part of her life and it's it's really like the core tenant of her personality um so i went from having like zero religious guidance to literally over the course of a week when i was 15 
suddenly my mom was an evangelical Catholic and I was like, <laughs> wow, this is different. Um, so, so kind of, um, my more adult life has been about like knowing that that is not for me and knowing that, that Catholicism kind of leaves me with more questions than answers while also trying to like, let my mom live her truth and like not being involved in it in any way. You know, you know what I mean? Like it, like it's so important to her and, it, and she so wishes that she had kind of raised us more strongly with it. Hindsight being 2020. And she really like kind of doesn't know what to do with me now because all of the, the kind of secular groundwork that she did when we were growing up, it was too late for any of the Catholicism to take by the time she yeah. really, you know, but by, by the time it became a huge part of her life, I was 15 and I was, and that is like the worst time to introduce organized religion to yeah. a human being. It's like, no, I'm not going to. So I went through a lot of different phases within the church. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because I was raised in it. Like, I mean, yeah, I was actually grateful. I was like, Alyssa's going to have something like an evangelical culture. Right. But like, Like, yeah, you did it. (laughs) We, you know, we went to church and, you know, we say grace. And actually I have these distinct memories of when my little sister was like too young and my mom wasn't super, super into like the whole church aspect of it. Like she believes in God and like, she believes in the teachings just like, you know, Church is not for everybody. Yeah, for sure. And so she would stay home with my baby sister, who was like a literal infant at the time. And, you know, just it was doing a a kindness to everyone there not to have the screaming and crying baby. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, for sure. So, because my church also wasn't one of the ones that like relegated the children into like a corner somewhere. Do do Catholic churches do that? There are churches that do that. Mm, Okay, that's not... Mm, that's interesting that's not a ch- um, any church I've ever been to you just sit with your family like that that's yeah. not wow okay um friends of mine have told me about catholic churches that they've gone to and um other denominational right denominations. like in other denominations I I know that there there are those kind of things but I didn't know in a catholic church that that was like a thing some some, some that I've heard of do oh um, interesting kind of shove the kids in like a corner somewhere and make them shut up so so you know so my mom would stay home with my sister and my dad, my brother, and I would go every Sunday to either 10 or 12 o'clock mass, depending on when we woke up. Yeah, that's mom's. <laughs> that's what mom does. Mom does either 10 or 12, for sure. And so we would go. And then afterwards, if we were good, we would get to have, we would get to go to like Wendy's or whatever to have lunch. And while we were there, we would kind of talk about, and this in hindsight, I feel kind of icky about. But we would talk in like talk about like so you know at, like what did you pray for like who did you pray for and stuff like that, just kind of to get in the mindset of like this doesn't have to be all about you you know mm, okay um, and I have this distinct memory of sitting in the Wendy's, um near my house that had this like you know it had like the main section and then there was a section that was like all windows and it was very nineties. <laughs> yeah with those those cups with the design on them the purple and green design remember the yeah. that 90s thing that was everywhere yeah, yeah 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 yeah. i have a distinct memory of sitting in the wendy's in that like little alcove and my dad asking and it was the week it was the Saturday, sunday after 9 11 which you can guess oh my god usual yeah and i like you know i was all proud of myself because i was like i prayed for all the victims and their families of 9 11 and like as I'm thinking back on that, I'm like, that shouldn't be something that I was proud of and bragging about. <laughs> like, that should just be something, yeah, like, yeah, we should pray for those people and we should, like, want them to be guided and protected. But, like, why am I bragging But about what's this? interesting about, about the way that your dad handled it, though, is, like, that encouraged 
communication about it as part of the process. It wasn't just like you alone with like the priest giving you the homily and then you as a child kind of being forced to like process that on your own. Like there was somebody there being like, okay, so like, what did you get out of this? Which I think is, is really interesting and a really good move on the part of your dad. Um, Yeah. And I, you know, I was like really into like religious ed and, um, my dad is also disabled and he, he was like sick and in and out of the hospital a few times when I was a kid. And like my religion teacher would know that. And she would like allow, if, if there was someone who was like being affected by something, she'd let us pick like the closing prayer. Oh, that's nice. Which was nice. Yeah. So like, there was a lot of like allowing you from a young age to feel it. Yeah. Allowing to feel connection to it and feel ownership of it. That's great. I thought was great. That's great. I really, really connected to that. So like being like growing up in it and not just like the social aspects of it was really nice. We did kind of, as time went on and like life just got more chaotic in a lot of different ways. We did kind of become the Christmas and Easter Catholic. Right, right, right. But there was still, you know, like personal faith. That's Involved. lovely. Yeah, that sounds really it was lovely. Kind of like we don't go to church, right? And I know that's a big thing in the Catholic Church. Yeah, kind of the 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 biggest thing is you have to go. It's a very yeah. It's a very like it's involved. You've got to be a part of it. You've got to be. Um, but yeah, no. It sounds like you. I, I was actually grateful because when you first asked me to be on this particular episode, I was like, I'm a really new witch, and I was a really bad Catholic, so I don't really know. <laughs> what I'm gonna say and and thankfully I knew that you had kind of been raised more with it and you knew more about it from on like a day-to-day level than than I did so I was like yeah Alyssa will have my back on this it's fine yeah and like I like believe and I mean I we'll talk about this later because it's a whole thing like I was very much like I believed in it I like I was one of so I started and I made my confirmation with a class of I think like 40 people that sounds like normal though right like that sounds like the normal size that you would 30 yeah. or 40 yeah but then so a bunch of those people though didn't complete religious ed because you did your confirmation you made your confirmation in seventh grade and you had to like the full course of religious ed ended in eighth grade right and a right, bunch right, of right. people i know just didn't sign up for the eighth grade year i was one of like 10 that actually completed yeah that, that went through the whole process wow i that was a, that was another part of a big part of the reason why i didn't do it um because i number one like wasn't invested in it and just wasn't going to do something that i wasn't invested in but also like i remember looking at my grandmother and being like i'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning every day in a disabled body that hurts all the time trying to make the honor roll i'm not going to extra school i don't have time like i was getting yeah physical therapy every day after school. I had been operated on the previous year. I was like, I just physically do not have the time to do this. But also... Yeah, or the bandwidth. Don't actually, like... I, if I had... Maybe if I had had more of the bandwidth to do it, I would have done it for her. But but then it was like, I also don't care whether we do it or not. So, like, why would I make all that energy to, like, do something I don't believe in? So, yeah. So, I definitely... And the interesting thing is I actually believed in it when I was a child, you know, before I made Holy Communion, I was very into, um, the Bible stories and was a very good, like very good Catholic in the sense that I really believed in everything that was being taught to me as a child. But 
how much of that is like what you actually believe and the fact that you're seven years old? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how much of that is really what you believe and really like your own thoughts for, I think for me, and I'll get to this a little bit later for me, it, it was just another great story. I was always a little girl who loved books and stories. And that's the whole basis of the Catholic church is like, there's a big book and it's got lots of stories in it. I, I think that was part of uh, the appeal for me. So then kind of as I moved through, as, as I moved through my adolescence, I was an agnostic. I definitely, I was never an atheist because atheists to me were annoying. All, you know, cause think about being a 15 year old and, all the atheists you know are, like, obnoxious. They're boys. Yeah, and I feel like atheist is such a strong word. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, there is no God. But I feel like coming from being raised in a faith, regardless of what that is, it's really hard to go from being raised that and believing that with, like, your full body and soul, in my case, to being, like, God is dead, there is no God. Right, yeah. No, I, and even, like, I always say about Catholicism, even if you're when you're not in it anymore... I think there is something about it that that shapes your worldview in a way that you never shake, even if it's not a huge part of your life or even if you, you eventually leave it behind. I think there are parts of the way you think about the world that you just never are able to to let go of from from your faith. And maybe that's true for all faiths if you're raised with something that's inevitably going to shape who you are. And I was just never going to make I, I really am too much in awe of the universe to say yeah. this was all created at random like I, I i just wasn't able to make that the commitment to say it. i was like no there's too much beautiful like interconnected parts of of this thing yeah to to just say yeah this was all created at random it, it, it just for me it just didn't make sense so i just went through my adolescence saying like i believe in something but i believe that humans have too small a perception to even kind of conceive of what that might be and yeah, I'm I've I've had students ask me like miss do you believe in God and oof wow because <laughs> they they just search for desperate like ways to connect to teachers and oh we were talking about sad. in connection to religion like it was quasi related I don't remember the full story but I so what I said was well that's a complicated question and they were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, because A, I'm your teacher and I'm not supposed to yeah, 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 yeah. unduly influence you. And then I was like, and also, I don't know what I believe. Because I want, I like, you know, them to understand that I'm a human being. And they, they like that answer of, I don't know what I believe. Like, I believe in something, I just don't know what it is. Right, and it gives them the opportunity to, to exist in that space. Like, yeah, no, it gives like a kind of that understanding to people. And it also like... I think it just kind of lets them understand, like, hey, people are human. Yeah, yeah. Your <laughs> teachers are actual human beings who, like, don't know everything. And, like, yeah. 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 I think so that's, that's good. that's, like, usually my standard answer um, is, like, I believe in something, I just don't know what it is. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. I don't get that that a lot unless we're, like, actively talking about something that's related to religion in some way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which happens a lot in an English class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, so... No, that definitely, everything you're saying about, like, the church super resonates me with me, especially because, like, as someone who did believe in it a lot, I only, like, fully stepped away from it in, like, my senior year of college and into, like, the year after. Wow. Because, you know, I hadn't, like, gone and stuff, but, like, some of the ritual, like, provided comfort to me, like, funerals, because really the only time that I would go anymore to church was, like, during, like, for funerals right. and stuff. 
but like I had like a family member pass away and or a very close family friend pass away in 2016 and I went to the service and it helped sort of you know yeah <laughs> in the yeah. way that a, in as much as a funeral can especially because catholic funerals are very impersonal they are um, yeah that's I, i'm actually curious as to like what about it helped you because i've never been to a funeral where i felt like actually in touch with my own feelings ever so yeah the priest knew the woman personally and so he was able to in his homily really imbue the like his understanding of her um and so that's, I think, what really helped was, like, how personal it felt. And, like, she died of cancer and the way that he kind of talked about that. It was very comforting in a lot of ways. Um, but then in 2017, my grandma died after a very long battle with Alzheimer's, oh, a lot God. of which I was personally present yes, for. Yes, yeah. Um, and... Around this time, like, there was a lot of shit going on in the world. I'll just put it that way. And there still is. And a lot of it is me just kind of feeling like I I kind of came to this point where I was, like, sick of this whole, like, God-fearing mentality. um, Like, and that kind of terminology. I was like, no, I don't want to believe in something like that, you know? Right. A, yeah. Like, a, a vengeful, scornful God. I don't that's not yeah what I, I think a lot of people struggle with that and for me it was it was not that because I was never raised in in that type of, of Catholicism where God was a was a negative presence but um when I started to exist in kind of a more liminal space you eventually kind of look around I, I was not good with how human we make God in the way we talk about him in the Catholic church, but how we're like not willing to admit that we do that. Like, (laughs) like if you look at the, the ancient pantheons, the gods are just humans with more power, you know, it it, it, like that made sense to me, but in the sense of like, God sees everything, God knows everything, God has a purpose for everything, but also don't blame God for the fact that you're disabled. I was like, you're, you're really like, letting him off the hook for a lot of yeah. of terrible like, things like i, I don't know through, i went through some really difficult stuff when i was like 12 13 and everyone was like well you know god has a plan for you god never gives you more than you can handle and i'm like bull fucking shit yeah god yeah doesn't give us more than we can handle Right. It's like all evidence to the contrary. Have you looked around recently? Yeah, it definitely like that was, I think, the the biggest intersection for me where I was just having trouble with it because it was like, um, especially in the way that my mom talked about religion in the in the later part of my adolescence, when when I was stepping away and she was stepping forward, she kind of like doesn't give God credit for any of the terrible things that happen. So, like... Only the good. So, like, okay, so who's... But she also doesn't... mm, She didn't, at that time, believe in the devil. She now does. So, when we first started talking about this, it was like, all right. I'm making a very incredulous face right now that I wanted to describe. (laughs) Yes, tell me. I can't. Like, yeah, so it was a very strange sense of, like, all right, so if God created everything, but... But God didn't create things like um, the will to do harm in humans. Or just, like, sin. Then, like, who's... Resp- I was very confused as to, like, all right, 
you don't want me to blame God for 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 the things that are going wrong in the world, but you also then whose fault is it? It was very it was, I was a little confused as to like the way that Catholicism makes God human but also doesn't make God human. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I I was just having a lot of problems with that. And he's a convenient plot device. He is a convenient plot device. He really is. He's used like it's Deus Ex Machina for a reason. Yes. Like, there's a reason it's God out of the machine and not like Joe from down the street. Right. The exactly. Like, he's used as a very convenient plot device in a lot of religion. Um, in a lot of Christian religion. In in the way that we talk about our, our conversations ab- about him. So that was my my biggest confusion because obviously, like any adolescent you know, we're all going through our terrible shit. And I was like, all right, the, I couldn't find comfort in something I couldn't blame, but also like, okay, who, who do I, who do I yell at about this? Like, who do I get angry yeah. about for, for, for this? And I think that had something to do with the way that we talk about anger in my family and the way that like, yeah, whatever. It was like, you know, <laughs> there, there was just no place to put my anger at what was happening to me. It was it wasn't like you can't put it on God. Okay, so how am I supposed to derive comfort from God if I can't lean on him? You know, it, it just it was just yeah. confusing to me. So for a while I was an agnostic and for a while I was just kind of like, all right, I believe that something exists, but I'm perfectly okay with like not knowing what that is. And I yeah. think witchcraft, the way I see it, that can still be a possible statement for me. It's like you can still have a place in the universe and also acknowledge that you don't know anything about the universe, if that makes any sense. Yes. Like, I, you know what I mean? So it was for a while it was ve- I was just very kind of like, all right, I have, you know, I'm I'm willing to like not to just not know what's going on and willing to sort of know that I don't know. I was very comfortable in that space. And then um Basically what happened, I, I went, to, I did a couple of, uh, I got a couple of tarot readings, which were scary. You know how your first tarot reading is, like, terrifying? Like, like yeah. you know, like, this person who did not know me at all just called me the fuck out. Just, like, totally, re- literally, literally and metaphorically read me. <laughs> and it was like, there's gotta be some validity to this, because this is a stranger. Like, this isn't somebody who, like in any way could have known any of the details that that they know. And so then over the course of the next few years, I got a couple more tarot readings. Um, I have one particular friend uh, who's like my sister who does all of my readings. And then um, recently uh, during a reading, she said to me, readings for you are really, really interesting and fun because whenever I do a reading for you, I get this really strong, palpable, clear sense that whoever is guiding you whether it's like whether you want to call them like angels or ancestors or spirit guides or whatever 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 the 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 conduit is between you and the universe they just have your back i get this sense of of, i sense this thing around you where like whatever happens you're gonna be fine because whoever is looking out for you they love you so much and they're so there's just such a, a a connection between you and them. And I was like blown away by that. I was like, I don't, I didn't really exactly know what she was talking about, but I was like, okay, solid, solid choice. And, uh, and again, every time you get a reading, it's, it's terrifying. It's like, oh my God, how does she know exactly what's going on? Like what, what's, you know, oh my God, the level of detail. 
um, it is crazy. So I, I, I got a few readings. I was, I really believed in the power of tarot as like a real actual way that the universe communicates with us. And then, um, I, I found this, I kickstarted this, this deck online, uh, the Crow Tarot, tarot deck, uh, by MJ Coolinane, who, and it's, it was just one of these decks where like, I, I wasn't even going to get into it. Um, because I knew how hard it would be for my family if I started getting into sort of more, more pagan practices. So I was like really trying to avoid it, but I just couldn't stop looking at the art for this deck. And every day I would log on to the Kickstarter page and I would just stare at the artwork for this deck. And, and I spoke to some of my friends who were already readers about it because I was afraid that I couldn't do tarot because, of, um, I can't shuffle because of my disability. So I was really afraid of like the actual physical aspect of handling the cards. And I read this incredible article um, by a witch whose grandmother was um, was Romani and taught her how to use tarot and had really terrible arthritis and like how she shuffled the deck in a, in a different way because of the arthritis. And I read this incredible article that somebody sent to me when I told them I had this problem that I was worried about shuffling. And so after that, I was like, oh, you can really do this any way you want to. Like, you can really, like, make this anything you want it to be. So I went, I bought the deck, and I, I started learning tarot on the deck. And I just, the more I do it, the more I always feel completely connected to something larger than myself that still holds a lot of room for, like, no, you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to say this definitively is how I relate to the universe. So that was the first thing. Tarot has changed my life and has in many ways saved me. Um, the other thing that I did was I got my full birth chart. And um, I'm three months premature, and that's why I have the disability that I have. Um, and I was struggling tremendously with having a disability and, and like, you know, what that means. And you always struggle with that. There's never a point where you're not struggling with it. Um, but in reading my birth chart, my, you know, because again, your birth chart is, is scary, right? When you read your fir your full birth chart for the first time, that's really scary. If you're not ready for I've like... I've never had it like professionally done and I would love to because like I just do it off of some apps and I just get intimidated by all of it. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I did it. I had it done professionally and then... Um, I actually had it done by a friend professionally and she was like, rather than have me do it, just go, this is a really good app for it. Just do it here. And I still haven't finished reading all of it, but I read some of it and got so intimidated. But then as I was, I was like getting intimidated by it. I, I was thinking about, um, prematurity and the fact that when you're premature, your, your birthday is not like the actual birthday that you were supposed to have. And I was supposed to be a Libra and there's no Libra in my chart like none at all. And, and the chart was so absolutely me down to the last detail that I thought to myself, okay, this is a really good argument for me having supposed to be exactly who I am, disability and all. Yeah. And somehow like the thing that I consider to be the most negative thing about me and the thing that is this, this big, hurdle that prevents me from being my true self it's like no this is your true self like this is who you were really supposed to be this is when you were really supposed to be born and it, it worked for me so much more than years and years and years of everybody around me saying you know god has a plan for you or you are exactly who god wants you to be it was kind of the same message but it just worked it was just coming at me in a different way and it just worked for me on a more 
So yeah, um, so those are the two things: the birth chart and and tarot have kind of really saved my life, and have and those are my introductions to to witchcraft. Yeah, it's it's really wild because I feel like a lot of people I talked about in the first episode that Andrew and I did for this podcast about like how like Catholicism just was not providing me the comfort that it once did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I like stumbled upon witchcraft and this like broader relationship with the universe yes yeah and like it allowed for that space to like believe in multiple things that like when you're catholic you're taught nope this is god this is the one and only all yes god yeah yeah and that as i got older like didn't i was like okay but like these stories from these pagan religions these like polytheistic religions like really resonate with me as well and I have this really strong connection to like these deities as well like but I also do still believe in what I've been taught about the catholic god and I have had a very hard time navigating that until very very recently um I've started understanding like a place where I can kind of balance between the two things that I believe in. Um, and it was actually, I was talking to someone, I made a post in actually the group where you and I kind of, yeah, <laughs> most of our time as friends in our buffering cyber coven, which, uh, you will be meeting many more people, my dear listeners from the cyber coven <laughs> as Andrew's hiatus continues. Um, but so I made a post that was like, does anyone else have a really hard time with this time of year who like, started out catholic or christian and has moved on or moved away from that and someone was very kind and like made this whole huge post about how they had had similar experiences and how finding irish paganism and ancestor veneration had really helped because it allowed for this space of like okay, I believe in these ancient gods, but also if my ancestors loved Mary and Jesus and God, so can I. And, like, it was, like, the most profound moment of my life. <laughs> I'm so glad that you were able to to come to some sort of, of, of coming together with that because I did read that post, and I remember feeling kind of sad that I couldn't reach out to you in that moment because I'm so... Because I have such a different relationship with Catholicism than you do yeah you know i i think i i had kind of shaken it off to a a larger degree so much longer ago that i that i was just kind of i didn't know quite how to reach you in that or how to say anything you know productive in that moment because you know i think the holidays for me the, the the difficulty with with this this new phase of my life and this new part of my life with the holidays is um I think the holidays are just difficult because so many of us have trauma surrounding it. You know what I mean? Like I I saw this, um, this Facebook ad for like one of those, those kind of like romance novel-y type things. And it was a Christmas romance novel and it was called Christmas by Gaslight. And I just remember thinking, oh boy, that's not like, that's not what that means in my world. It was a period Christmas novel. They meant it literally. I know what you're trying to convey, but there's gotta be a better 
term. Yeah, like, yikes. Like, you know, there was there were no millennials in the room when that title was chosen because, oh boy. So, you know, for, for me, it's always more about like, Christmas has been difficult for me for a long time j- just because of certain traumatic events surrounding it and like all the family dynamics that come into play in ways that they don't come for the rest of the year. So much so that like, and combining that with kind of religion not being a huge part of my family, religion has very little to do with Christmas in my family. It only has almost nothing to do with Christmas in my family. My mother is the only one who goes to church and, you know, like gets yelled at inevitably because she's going to church. She's late for Christmas dinner every year. And my, 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 the rest of my family takes great issue with that. And it's like, but isn't that what you're supposed to do? Like, like my mother's the only one who's like observing this the way you're supposed to. And like, getting yelled at for it I don't know so yeah so I definitely saw that post and was like I wish that I could do something for you as a fellow person who has difficulty around this time of year but it was but I realized it was like for a completely different reason and it was like okay I can't how am I going to use everything I've learned through the craft to like deal with the stuff that happens during this time of year that is inevitably going to be challenging. So I wish that I could have done something more for you. So I'm really glad that you found someone who could actually like help you. It's interesting for me. I actually, because I've actually been doing more research because Leah, uh, the person who told me that uh, shout out Leah, if you're listening, I hope you are. Um, Leah, um, she mentioned St. Bridget, who is oftentimes syncretized with, the Irish pagan goddess Breach. Um, like the stories are very similar, and if, I'm still doing some research. It's just like if she can straddle paganism and Catholicism, why can't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and so it's been a lot of like I'm still in the process of like how to unlearn like I am the Lord your God, you shall not worship any god other than me. <laughs> like because I feel very yucky about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I also feel very yucky about organized Christianity at all in general. Yeah, for um, lots of like, reasons. And I, yeah, I've had a lot of spiritual crises over the last several years. Um, for sure. Yeah. Natural. And no, because like I like really was like, okay, Catholicism isn't for me. Like I really only officially came to that as my grandmother was dying. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. bizarre because my grandma died on All Souls Day. Oh my god. Oh that's yeah. that's very that's very it's, pagan. <laughs> it's also very Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just this very like freaky thing for yeah. me. And so as she was dying, we knew cuz you know, when you're on hospice, the nurses know all of the signs of okay, this is probably going to take this long, you know? And so as they were saying like you have like she's really only got another few months or whatever. You've only got like another month or so. We started doing all of the things that you do to prepare prepare for a death, which for an Irish Catholic woman includes inviting the priest to your home yes. to do rites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we, we had a hospice chaplain come to pray with us first. And then we also had uh, the priest from our church do um, at, come administer last rites. And my mom told me I didn't have to go. But everyone else was, and I didn't want to be the one sitting up in her room while everyone was praying over the dying woman um you know so I just kind of stood like I I did everything and I kind of like followed along right but there was no faith in what I was doing 
And I was like realizing that. And then my dad asked me, because I am the least stage shy, I suppose. Um, he asked me to do one of the readings at the mass, at the funeral mass. Um, I had done it before for a family friend when I was like 12 years old. And people were blown away by how eloquently this 12-year-old delivered <laughs> a reading from the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, especially because they had given me the short reading. Because they were like, well, we don't want to give her anything too hard. And then the the older person, she was, I think she was a teenager, the older girl who, I mean, she was the granddaughter of the deceased at this funeral, but... She, they gave her the longer reading, and she did not do great. <laughs> um, which there was some just, like, she was very emotional, but also right. it was just, like... So, yeah, so my dad asked me to do a reading, and I was like, I can do a reading, you know? I don't necessarily have to fully believe everything that I'm saying. Because, you know, funerals are not really for the dead, which is something that yeah. I've, I've, I've started to come to. It's like, they're for the people that are still there. So if you're, you're doing it kind of for your parents, basically. Yeah, I was it's... doing it for my family. No one else wanted to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and they had a hard time finding someone to do the second reading. They were going to make me do both. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable doing Oh my both. God. Yeah. A lot of pressure. Um, yeah. I was like, that's kind of, my cousin Brooke stepped up. It was funny. They had the lesbian and the bisexual. There you go. <laughs> the Irish Catholic funeral. Fantastic. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Well, because Brooke had gone to Catholic school, and so she kind of knew what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, like, I also knew what you're supposed to do. And my brother, who was the person who should have been doing the readings, like, if we're talking about faith, my brother should have done it. But he really wanted to do the eulogy. Okay, yeah. Um, and so he did that instead. And I helped him write it, um, but it was great. Right. Um, so so everyone kind of did their part except for my little sister. Um, but she gets very she gets very emotional at funerals. Yeah, so yeah I, as I, a performer, as somebody who performs poetry, it's like it never, like, you spend a lot of time, like, saying, oh, it's not really a career, it's not really a real thing that I do. Because, you know, culturally, you're told that it's yeah. not really a real thing. And then you go to a wedding or a funeral, and you go, oh, nobody can do this. Like, I actually yeah. have a skill set. Nobody <laughs> knows. Even, like, the priests don't actually know how to, like, project or, you know, intone or anything like that. And you're like, oh, no, I have a real skill set. Nobody, like, th there's nothing like a, a funeral or a wedding to let you know as a performer how difficult it is to actually really do what you do. So yeah, I told yeah. anyone who doesn't want to do it, I'm always like, yeah, no, don't. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's kind of where I, I was coming from with that, but it's just like so weird. Like Catholicism is weird. Catholicism is really weird. That was, that was actually like going to be my, my, it's funny that you said it in that way. That was actually like my, my starting talking point when you asked me to be on the show. And I was like, what am I going to talk about? All I really wanted to talk about was how run for the hills weird it is. The more you think about it. Like yeah. we have a, a thing that is like not metaphorically the flesh of, of our God literally like it's not supposed to be a metaphor it's actually supposed to be literal transfigured like 
that's what you're going to do. It's, it's, and that's not supposed to be witchcraft. And that's not supposed to be pagan. That isn't supposed to be witchcraft. It's fly. Like, it was, there's just something so, the interesting thing, you know, it, the more you start looking at it, is like, no, it, Catholicism is so pagan. It's yeah. so pagan. Like, you know, I, I basically, you know, at the day before we were supposed to record this, I started reading a book um, by an author named Jeanette Winterson, who's a fantastic novelist who who loves Christmas. And she put together a short story collection about Christmas stories. And her whole introduction is about kind of the 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 Christian absorption of pagan customs to create Christmas. And I was like, oh, thank God. It's not God. just Christmas. Yeah, oh no, it's the whole calendar. Like, it's so alarming how, like... As I started understanding, like, pagan practice, I was like, oh, sorry, is Easter. Yeah. It sounds like Easter. Yeah, yeah. Like, and Christmas and the solstice are, like, Samhain and freaking, like, there's so many, I mean, there's so many, like, cross-culturally, like, death and, like, mourning festivals. Yeah. Yeah, it does really follow the cycle of the year. If you look at the passion, it follows the cycle of the year. So, like, you know, um, something interesting that I that um, Jeanette Winterson brings up in in this introduction that I that I was talking about that I actually like realized as I was reading it. Um, Christmas is actually the date December twenty fourth, the actual date of Christmas Eve, twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. It's it's a great time for the birth of Jesus because that would mean that Mary was okay. I'm not going to say impregnated because not not technically the immaculate conception. The immaculate conception. My mom would know what verb to use. I I don't know what verb to use. Um, she would have that would have happened on March 25th, which is Lady Day or the Feast of Annunciation, which I've never heard it called Lady Lady Day before. Which now I want Lady Day to be some sort of like WLW holiday where we pay, we play Billy Holiday records and just love on each other for a whole day. That feels like what it should be like. Um, but yeah, that would be like his conception date and that would be very conveniently uh, combined with the spring equinox and it also allows for a really nice like symmetrical thing where if if he rises on easter like it's a really similar date and there's a really nice symmetry to his the date of his conception and the date of his death if you look at like when all of this roughly is supposed to happen, which the the poet and novelist in me really, really appreciates. So, you know, whatever actual Christian figures, leaders were in charge of putting this all together, very good. Like, yeah. good well, narrative. I mean, that's the whole thing is, like, there's no... That's another thing, though, is there's no, like, evidence that shows that Jesus was actually born on December 25th. No, no. Because... I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but, like, a lot of it is they took, they were trying, like, Catholics were trying to get their religion going. And yeah. Like, hey, pagans, look, our practices are so similar to yours, you just have to worship a different god. You can totally still drink and party and give gifts and, and do bonfires on, on your festival. Here, it, it's yeah. cool. We still got it. Like, it's st- we still have all of the stuff that you can that you can do. Yeah, no, that was definitely the whole point of Jeanette Winterson's introduction was like how they put the calendar together and like all of the the Christmas customs that are actually pagan customs and like ac- you know and how modern our conception of Christmas really is. Like, it's such a it, it's it's so weird to think that like all these things that we think of as so ancient 
the red suited Santa was invented by the Coca-Cola company. I swear to God. Like I didn't, I didn't know that. Like apparently before, let me see. I have the year right here. I have actually what year it was. Um, I think it was like 1850 something. The Coca-Cola company brought in a Swedish illustrator to like, create the image it of... It wasn't even 18... It was 1931. It was 1931. Okay, so this is, this is better to my century. point. Better to my point. Yeah. So, Our grandparents were alive. <laughs> like, can you believe that? Can you believe how new, like, th- that red suit is? Can you believe how recent that... I, I like... That to me is so... And how commercial it is. People are all like, oh, let's keep the Christ in Christmas. And I'm like, tell that to the Coca-Cola Corporation. Seriously, the image that you have is literally like, Santa used to be Odin. Sorry, like, I don't mean and to... people get so frustrated when you're like, actually, Jesus and Mary and Joseph and Santa all were brown. Yeah, oh my god, I ruined Christmas one year. I actually ruined, when I was, when I was 15, I actually ruined Christmas with the mere suggestion that Jesus was not white. I ruined Christmas one year. How do you, how? <laughs> how? I know, I know. It's like looking at geography. How, how do you, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just, yeah. I think that is well, the- because, I mean, I can tell you exactly what it is. God created Jesus in his image- is like the teaching, right? Right. So all these white people yeah. who are the predominant I mean, that's not even true because like Catholicism and Christianity have a huge role in Hispanic culture. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But like all these white people who like claim Christianity are just like, Well, he created Jesus in his image and he created us in his image and I'm like, Yeah, he also created everyone else. Everyone else. Just by your in own his teaching. Image, your faith. Yeah. So that includes all the brown people and the black people. Yeah, I, yeah, and that would be a really interesting episode to do, because, I mean, that is something that, that like, obviously I have no ability to speak to, but, like, the the intersection between, um, like, witchcraft and, and organized religion in, in other cultures, like, I, that would be a really, really interesting episode for you so, guys to do. Um, I can't I'm speak to that at all. I'm very curious about it, and I am, like working on like i'm starting with irish paganism and then also right. with the greco-roman like faith yeah yeah um, for like sure hellenic um faith because those are the ones that like resonate with me the most and that i like practice or i'm learning to practice the most um i have a very very deep seated connection with artemis um but then also just like as i've been reading more about like irish um reconstructionist paganism that really speaks to me so i'm like as i'm learning about that i'm also like super fascinated in the ways that especially in ireland because of how important catholicism became to like irish culture like i'm really interested in it's called the syncretization um which is a Great word, I wish I knew years ago. Yeah, what a, what a fancy now. word, a, a yeah. Plan to win many a Scrabble game. Yes! Um, so it's called the syncretization of, like, two, when it's, is when, like, the beliefs and practices of two faiths come together. So I'm really fascinated in the way that worked, like, not just in, like, European and Western culture, but also, like, into, like, Egypt and Africa yes. and the rest of the world. Um, because it is, it's super, super interesting, um, how 
Catholicism, which really came late to the game. It really did. It really became, or not just like Christianity became the dominant religion. It's amazing to me, really. That that is something that my mom and I, uh, she finds kind of difficult. And I'm trying to find a way to like say it to her in a way that like won't upset her is like a a lot of other religions are a lot older than than what you, you know than what is working for you like just just from a timeline place you know yeah that's yeah it's it's fascinating how it, it how much it dominated when it really hasn't existed for very long comparatively mm-hmm. and there's also like with christianity there's the problems of i remember a couple years ago there was a tumblr post going around of I don't remember all of it, but the tagline was Canon Jesus was way better than Fanon Jesus. It's one of my favorite posts. I reblog it every time I see it. I love it. It's... Of like kind of explaining like, listen, like here's the actual stories from the Bible and here's how they've been co-opted to further like a certain agenda. A certain agenda, certain types of people who, who wanted political power. Yeah, that is definitely something that got me away from like your obnoxious adolescent atheism phase too is like actually every year I say I'm gonna read the whole Bible because like I feel like in order to have some grasp of what I'm talking about when I talk about my relationship to Christianity I feel like I have to but every year I kind of get intimidated and and, and he has so I kind of ask him okay good yeah your resource he did it as like a solely academic exercise which i find fascinating yeah that's kind of what um, i would want to do too would be to just do it as this is a text like the way you would analyze any other text but i don't even think i have the ability to step back and do that so we'll yeah. see i want to at least do the new testament yeah 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 like jesus is like the the important part right of christianity yeah yeah like, I was talking to the social studies, the seventh grade social studies teacher recently did, um, you know, the three monotheistic religions and yes. like Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And I mean, there were a lot of Muslim students who like were really like excited to be able to talk about their faith in class and stuff. And it's the Bronx. There weren't very many Jewish people. <laughs> um, but uh, she said that the Muslim students were the ones who really got into it, but like kind of explaining it using, I cannot for the life of me remember who told this joke of like, okay, so Judaism was the original. Christianity was the sequel. And Islam is the reboot. I love it's it. all the same thing with just like slight modifications. Little, little tweaks. Yeah. Like you take Judaism and you add Jesus and that's Christianity. You take Christianity and you add Muhammad and that's... You add Muhammad and take out some stuff and that's Islam. Yeah. Like, so even across, like, it's just, it's so fascinating. And I, I wish that that was actually a part of the way Christians related to their own religion. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that it's this wonderful, eclectic hodgepodge of all these things. I-, I wish that that was a part of the way that we taught that. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, this is the one true thing and everything else is wrong. Like, yeah. l- and then, you know, you get older and you do a little digging and you read and, and anybody with reading comprehension is like, but wait, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're only different a little bit. You know, what if we did it like, this is what we believe and this is what we 
cross, you know, cross took from all these other places, whether it's paganism or Judaism or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I wish that that was a way that we spoke about it. But then we couldn't have an us and a them. Yeah, yeah, obviously. It's hoping for too much, but... It's... So much of it has to do with, like, Eurocentrism and patriarchy and, like, all these things that are all, like, their own episodes on their own. Oh, yeah. And that's also part of what really yucks me about it. Yeah. (laughs) Is, like, Catholicism really was just a means of control. Like, until the 20th century, masses were done in Latin. And the people going to those masses did not speak Latin. Yeah, didn't understand what was actually being said to them. Like, so they didn't know what was actually going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what? Yeah, I know, I know. It's it's such a... a I'm actually, like, in my adult life, really looking for ways to... I I don't want to say come back to it but ways to not feel repellent about it for all of those reasons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wh- think studying the ways in which it was like syncretized with other religions. Right. Really yeah. Like- not, not to feel like, not to have it, not to have Catholicism stand in for all of those forces. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like in my mind, it can be easy to conflate it with things like child abuse and things like patriarchy and, and all of the things about it that are, that are, terrible you know things like the anti-lgbtq biases and things like that but i mean living with my mom who is such a a beautiful example of a devout catholic because she really is the only person i know who like i i see her religious experience and i i really one thousand percent believe that that she believes this with her whole soul and that 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 it is filling her and it's not some sort of like way to make herself feel better than other people you know what I mean like she's the one person who like I never get the sense of like yeah you're just trying to feel superior in some way to whoever it doesn't matter whoever um and so being able to have her as a model is such a help to me and it really like I want to be able to see this religion not for all of the the negative things that it that it's it's come to be associated with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I want to find a way to do that. I don't exactly know how because I think I I'm still kind of working through my own journey and it'll take some more distance to be able to like do that, but I, that's what I really hope to achieve in my adult life at some point. Yeah. Um I mean, so I something that really helped me and this is like completely random and I mean it's related but so there's this documentary called For the Bible Tells Me So. And it is about biblical literalism being used to push an anti-LGBTQ agenda in the church. And it's about the people who rejected that, um, either because their children were gay or because they're, you know, biblical scholars and all of that stuff. And it was really about how, like, the Bible is touted as this, like, sacred text from God. It's the word of the Lord, you know? Yeah. Like, they say that at the end of every reading in church. But it's the word of the Lord is recorded by men Yeah. in an ancient yeah. dead language, translated by other humans. Mostly men, for a lot of thousands of years. into other languages. Yeah. Into less dead languages, yep. which then have been translated again by more, mostly men, into modern languages yeah like there's so much we're so many degrees of separation from the actual teachings that it's near impossible to take it 
literally yeah like, absolutely yeah so and like i'm trying i'm kind of thinking this might be a good segue into like your understanding of like christianity is just a series of stories because i mean christianity is nothing without the bible yeah exactly but i also like was thinking of just kind of like personal relationship as opposed to organized religion you know right absolutely you don't need to go to church to have a relationship with God. I mean, the Bible says anywhere that two or more people are gathered, that is a church. Yeah. So yeah. like you can just have your own personal relationship. And if you practice that with others, great, but you don't necessarily have to either. Like prayer is a solitary act. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean the internet. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Look at us. So it's just like, I feel like a lot of times the organized part of it is the problem. Is what actually gets you in trouble. Yeah. Is, is, uh, and you know what? It's just the act of being human. It's humans interpreting it. Everything is reflecting us back at us. Right. And, and yeah. God is the same way. And so it's like, it's just humans putting their flawed perceptions onto God and then passing it to other people. So it's like, yeah, it's it's not the text itself. It's And my problem comes in when people like refuse to accept that critical lens. Yeah. Like cuz they're like, "Oh no, you should believe this wholeheartedly without question." And I'm like, this is actually like um Hannah McGregor, I, there's an episode of um what is her podcast called? Which please, where she talks about the difference between um Catholic and uh, Jewish, like, faith. Mm. Well, I'd be interested in Jewish that. faith has a lot of questioning involved. Yes, yeah. Whereas yeah. Catholic faith is a lot of, like, practice without question. Yes. It's like, do this or you're not a Catholic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that, I think, doesn't sit well a lot with especially, like, you know, intellectual individuals. Um like, that doesn't sit well with a lot of people because why can't I question it? I have questions, and it really drives you away if you have questions yes. and you're told, well, if you don't believe this wholeheartedly, like, without fail and without question, then you're not really Catholic. Like, that's – that happened to a friend of mine when she was in, like, excuse me, in elementary school. Oh, God, so little. From her religious ed teacher. Yeah, yeah. It's like, way to – drive someone away from the religion because i think catholicism is a very literal it doesn't really have a place for interpretation which is bizarre because you know as you said we are so many it's a game of telephone we are so many degrees away from the original text and i think that was my biggest problem with catholicism was was there wasn't really anybody who there wasn't anybody who was answering my questions, but there also wasn't anybody who was just saying, I don't know. Yeah. Like that was, that was for me the biggest, it wasn't even that like I wasn't allowed to ask or I wasn't allowed to, it was just like, nobody was like sitting with the uncomfortability of like, I don't actually know. I have, I really have no idea. And um, I think that other religions have more of a place for like, Hey, um, we don't know. We, we there yeah. is a lot of a lot of stuff that we just don't know and you and I, I think there's more of a, a way to sit with that and be comfortable with that. And I think um, you know, because you and I are both students of literature, we're both writers, I, I think that that from the beginning because I, I really have been a writer before I could even physically write. I was always 
the most interested in story and in in narrative and and things like that. I think if that is what your prime directive is as a person, like it just gave me a different relationship to because it just it it never looked to me like this is the real text and all of the other texts are not the real text. You know what I'm saying? Like it just because like and I don't even really know exactly when I first came to this, but I know I like actualized it when I was a teenager, when I was first starting to like really, really read literature in a way that was transformative. It was kind of like Harold Bloom said, um, Adam and Eve are real, but so are, are Hamlet and Ophelia. And, and for me, <laughs> that's, that's what it is. It's like, all right, that particular text has been recognized by, by people the world over as the text, which is going to transform you. But I remember being transformed in my room by the Rent soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. and feeling that same level of like connection with all humans and empathy from a musical. You know what I mean? So for me, it was it was always very much more of like a level playing field. Like, okay, you can get that feeling, but you may not get it from that book. You're gonna get it from a book or a work yeah. of art but you may not get it from that one. And I don't know why that one has to be the one that we get it from. Why, you know, so that was always my biggest question. There wasn't really any room for like sitting with like, I just don't, don't know because you yeah. know what Catholicism. And I wish I actually knew more about this. And one day I'm going to like write a paper on it or something. It's an uncomfortable religion to be a disabled person in. Mm. It's not a fun religion to kind of be liminal in in any way but disability because it is such a a metaphor in the new testament it's got a weird place it's got a weird occupation of like either you're you're chosen by god to be this way or like you're condemned by god to be this way yeah. And it's like, I don't like either of those. Those are not... And, like, and it doesn't help that Jesus was always miraculously healing the disabled. Right. Yeah. It's like, hi, can I sign up for that? Where's the line? I Like, uh, you yeah. know... But just... then you're looked down upon because God made you this way for a reason. Right. Why yeah. are you seeking magic? <laughs> right. Or, like, then there are people... And thank God I never had to deal with this particular thing, but there are people who, like say that you're disabled because you are a punishment for the sins of your parents. Like, there's all kinds of weird ways. But then there's also people who are horrible monsters who claim to be miraculous healers in the name of Christianity who, like, take the money from these people. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's... And are monsters. So that was was definitely, for me, my, my, like, difficulties with Catholicism coincide directly with my, like, like, actual knowledge that I was a disabled person, like my actual social knowledge of like, oh, this isn't just a thing like your eye color or your hair color. It's actually like a political part of yourself that is going to impact the way people treat you and see you and relate to you. And so the more I I realized that, the more I was like, there are no answers in this religion for for. Mm -hmm why I am also, the way I am. It's just, they, they don't yeah. exist. They don't, they don't really have, they're not for me anyway. I think there are people, disabled people who, um, who maybe get more out of those narratives than I do. But I, but at that time I was just like, I can't, we just say that we don't know why I'm like this. Can't we just like, 
have that be the answer and have it be okay or no? Yeah. Like it, it, I was just having try because I couldn't find an answer that was that was comfortable for me. So it was like I wanted one, but like the one religion I had was just not offering me anything comforting yeah. about about that. So so for me, that definitely I, the way I dealt with that was kind of like you you're not broken because you can't feel transformation in, in this particular space because you can obviously feel it when you consume other pieces of art and media, just not this one. So, you know, for me, it was always the the act of um, storytelling is always for me, what is the transformative thing? Not yeah. like this, whatever story it is, just the act of it can, can and I mean, give that. The whole point of religion, as I was taught and understand it is to help people understand the things in the world that we don't expect like that we can't explain yeah. to understand the universe better and like yes the bible does that but harry potter did that for me just as much if not more than the bible like you know what i mean yeah yeah we all have that thing we all have that thing that sort of really helped us like, and fi- helped us figure it out mm-hmm. like or i mean Friggin' Buffy the Vampire Slayer helps me make. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll there'll be a whole episode just on on how how Buffy saved my life in the past year, and we won't go into it now because you know. Well, I have a two part episode planned with like four other people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I had to I had to cut you from that one. Definitely. Yeah. No, getting like, but in a larger sense, that's what we mean. It's like that's a mythology. That's a mythology yeah. with with um parables that that helped us understand ourselves better you know that's what story does we are a storytelling creature and so that to me is kind of how I have have reconciled Catholicism as a part of my life is like okay this is a thing that people believe because they need something it's not actually it's not actually a bad thing in and of itself it's it's you know it's twisted and it's altered and it's made to be this club that you can't get into, but that, but that is not the fault of the religion. It's just what happens. Um, and that's kind of the way that I explained tarot to my mom, because my mom, um, definitely like doesn't, doesn't love it. Doesn't love that I do tarot, but definitely like the way I explained it to her was kind of like, do I actually think I can do magic? Not really, but it's more of a narrative tool. It's more of like a, creative problem solving tool using a narrative as a way to to answer a question that you know maybe looking at things in a different way like if you have a problem and you pull a certain card it's like how can i interpret what this card is saying to think about something in a way that i didn't think about it before so once i phrased it to her like that less as a religious practice and more as a um a psychological tool maybe that was a little bit less difficult for her and there was a there was a post that I was reading recently on Tumblr because I still I go there on occasion, but like sometimes they just like are really good at like boiling some stuff down. For, for like, sure, a yeah. And like it was just I came across a post that I really kind of needed. It was just kind of like witchcraft is a craft and a practice. It does not necessarily have to be a religion. Yeah, like yeah, it's they can go hand in hand, and for a lot of people, they do. But you can be a Christian and practice witchcraft. Yeah. They are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. You can, like, believe this and this at the same time. And it's just, like, so it gets very complicated, you know, especially with 
the way that witchcraft is portrayed in a lot of right media. right yeah um, yeah and also because people like king james the one who made the current bible that everyone uses like really hated women yeah <laughs> and was in charge was the head of the church at a time when you know during the burning time so like something was like like changed to be like thou shalt not suffer suffer a witch to live it's not what it originally said right. i don't remember what it did originally say but that was king james the who's what's it i don't remember which one we'll put but that I mean, in the that show also notes. goes back to how political catholicism yeah. when it was yeah. and that's why the freaking lutherans and the puritans and all the other branches existed because catholicism came first and these people, the Protestants, they were protesting all of the problems they had. That's why they're right. called Protestants. Like, they were kind of saying, hey, there's a lot of yuck going on that I don't like. Yeah. And they kind of, like, recreated it in different ways. And, like, I mean, they ended up all having their own agendas. They used the same, you know, sacred text to push forward. But it's all been so political. Yeah. There is a fascinating YouTube channel called Ask a Mortician. Um, featuring uh, Caitlin Doty, who's really awesome, and she's a mortician in Los Angeles. But before she was a mortician, she did her undergraduate degree in medieval history. And so on her channel, in addition to kind of like about like death in a very open and frank way, she also kind of talks about like death and like medieval stuff. And if I if I can um, find it, which I'm sure I'll be able to, I will link it in the show notes. There's a video she did called the like corpse on trial, and it's all about this pope who was put on trial after he died by the next pope. Wow! Because the, it's and it's so political because the Holy Roman Emperor got to decide who was pope, and so it was this huge. It was like literally a game. Like, like it was this huge game of thrones and so ridiculous. And it's just like, it's not even about the religion at that point. No, it's no. It's all about the politics and it's all about which Pope is going to further the agenda of the Holy Roman Emperor, going to further the agenda of the Pope and so on. It's this endless freaking cycle. It's ridiculous. And it just like really, really shifts your perspective and your understanding of organized religion yeah of what is actually happening how much politics goes into it yeah because like at the same time i mean you think about the way that the is chosen i mean we've lived our lifetime with three different popes now (laughs) right and like the way that they're chosen is all of the go and vote and it's like yeah of course they're not gonna vote for someone super radical who's suddenly gonna right yeah super pro allowing gay cap marriages or super pro allowing women in or super pro ending the like male vow of chast like the vows of chastity in the church which a lot of people say would probably end the rampant pedophilia (laughs) um so yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's wild honestly like it's one of those things that i can't think about too much or my brain will just explode you know what i mean like it's one of those yeah my brain is starting to explode (laughs) it's like i can't even i can't even go into it too much because i'm because it's like in a lot of ways it just doesn't feel like my world anymore like i know all of those things are true and once you know all of those things are true it's like that's what i that goes back to what i was saying about like how do you separate 
It's like being in the Matrix. It really is like being in the Matrix. It's like once you realize it, it's everywhere. And then it's like, how do you separate the faith from all those things? How do you then separate like what is good about it from all of those things? Yeah. And I found that really, really difficult to do. And I just had to be like, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of this anymore just because I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to get that separation. So that's, it just doesn't feel like my world anymore. So anytime it even comes up, I'm just like, all right, yeah, the matrix, we know about the matrix, right? Like we know. It's, yeah. <laughs> so. we, we, I, I don't remember which pill it is that helps you understand the reality, but we took that one. Whatever that one is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So. So See, this is why people hate liberal arts education. Oh my god, yeah. Can you imagine? You're going to get so many emails. If any, if this episode gets out to, like, anybody other than our friends who are listening to it, it's not going to be good. Like, oh boy. I do not care. <laughs> this is going to be, this is going to be interesting. You're going to get some emails about what, what we've been saying. This is, this is whatever, what, what conservative people actually, like, think witchcraft is. It's just, like, socialist queer people talking about how we have to take down or yeah, organizations. I mean, that, that's kind of is what a lot of Oops. is. Yeah, exactly. Um, Oops. But, so, the reason, I, I'm gonna, like, wrap this up just because we've been talking for a while and yeah. I do have to edit this before yeah. next week. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you're gonna so, do it, but, yeah. It's gonna just be a lot of listen, you're just gonna come on this wild ride with us. Um, <laughs> but, the reason I wanted to do this episode is because it is so complicated. This could like, be a whole podcast, honestly. And like, it's so hard to work through. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I could have the same conversation with a dozen people and it would be a different conversation. I mean, there'd probably be a lot of similar themes of, like, I mean, the organized part of it is really, really unpleasant and not good. But how do you separate... I mean, how do you separate canon Jesus from fan and Jesus? Yep. Honestly, is really the best way to put it, yep. in my understanding. Like, it's just really hard. And I feel like, uh, just to kind of, like, reconnect it to witchcraft, is, like, witchcraft is so personal. And even though it's, like, kind of frustrating because there's no manual on so many things, like, there is, like, this immediate understanding of, like, this is how I am connected to the world yeah, around yeah. me. And this is how... There's no questions like you understand everything and if you have a question there's an answer for answer for it and you can find it you can search through it and like yeah maybe you might be like well why does this herb why is this herb corresponded with this thing and it's like well if you do the research hundreds of thousands of years ago or the advent of modern anything like people were using it in this context and it worked for them you know yeah yeah and like it Yeah, there are answers. What I actually, I, I actually come about it from a really different place, um, I guess, because I'm sort of newer to the to the uh, the deal than you. And also um, because I'm still living with my with my family at this point. Yeah. So I'm not kind of practice. I'm not doing as much practical uh, elements of the craft. I'm kind of I'm kind of more um, looking at it into intellectually and doing kind of thought experiments, basically, because yeah. thought spells, basically, because uh, <laughs> that's what, what's available to me. Um, I actually see it as like, if there isn't an answer, that's okay. Yeah, Like, that's fine. That That's for me, what, what gives me the most comfort is like, in this, there is no, there doesn't need to be the question of why are you disabled? It's yeah. like, hey, um, 
you are and like the universe you still have a place, you still have a place. the universe still has a place and there and there's no sort of like moral imperative attached to that it's just yeah. like all right that's what it is and that for me is what is the the most um fulfilling thing for me about it is because if you have a question and you can't come up with an answer that's like fine like that can sit and exist and i and i absolutely agree with you from the minute i started doing this in the very small way that i am doing it um i felt connected to absolutely everything i looked at that star chart where there was not a trace of libra not a trace of this what you should have been, what i should have been the able body that should have existed because that's the right kind of body and i immediately was like okay the stars wanted you to be this girl like yeah. whatever it is that you are that's what you were supposed to be look at the look at the math look at the math of the universe and, and on the on the minute that you were born and like I immediately just felt connected to yeah. the entire the entirety of everything in a way that I think religion in its best in its best incarnations that's what it does it gives us connective tissue to the rest of of everything and so yeah. I felt that I was like all right and I I felt it I also love the fact that there's no manual I mean I love the fact that you can because as a as a disabled witch like that's great like literally you can just be like i don't know how to i can't light a candle physically okay cool um here's a bunch of rituals where candles are not involved like you know what i mean like or it, like here's an app on your phone or like here's led candles from target where yeah you just pull the switch there's just no manual so we can just kind of do and and select and look and look at what still works for us and and in that way for people who still have stronger connections to their, their the faith of their of their earlier lives you don't have to give up what you love. Yeah. If you have a real strong connection to Mary, um, who I think is obviously totally a part of, of goddess worship. I mean, that's completely. So you know. actually Sandra Kynes in Sea Magic talks about Mary. I love Mary. Mary I think and Mary's my favorite part. Some of, of the reading I've anything. done about mermaids, they talk about Mary and like her connection to like fertility and motherhood. In this yeah. Place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mary mar is like part of the like root of ocean in a lot of languages yeah yeah i mean that's that's what i'm saying like you can literally you don't have to give it up you don't have to leave behind the things that do give you comfort and you can leave behind the things that are are more uncomfortable for you that's what i love most is that there's no yeah. manual and we, we and i, did, all I can just go wanted about to add it. one more thing because i know you didn't get a chance to tell the story but Liv the other day told me a wonderful story <laughs> about oh, like yes. her understanding of like my understanding of sea witchcraft <laughs> yeah um and i mean as you were talking about like how like you like there is still a place in the world for you it's like also there are, like, all of these things that, like, about myself and my connection to, like, the sea and to water that, like, within, like, a Judeo-Christian context make literally no sense. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But when you think about it from a more, like, pagan, witchy standpoint, it's just like, well, no, because if you think about it, my family, like, if you look at, like, where my family comes from, Spain and Ireland, huge seafaring connection. Yeah. Yeah, you're, right. you've got something you, in your you DNA. That, like, and zoom in a lot more. On my mom's side of the family, my uncle was in the Navy. My grandfather was in the Navy. Like, there's all these connections to the sea. 
And, like, I unfortunately only have the resources to trace it back to, like, my grandfather. Right, yeah. But still, like, there's got to be something there. And I'm okay with not knowing what that something is, but just knowing that there is something. Being able to make those connections, I think, is is hugely important. It makes the connection stronger, and it helps me understand the place of, like, why does this make me feel the way it does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, honestly, just, like, the ocean is much more of, like, the closest thing to a faith that I think I could ever have. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's always gonna, well, hopefully it'll always fucking be there. Yeah, who and knows? Hopefully we won't just boil it. <laughs> I mean, we'll be long gone before the Before sun, it like, gets really bad. Who knows? <sighs> the world is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, England. <laughs> oh, my God, guys. Oh. We're so sorry. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, we're recording this, like, a day or two days after the the uk general election Oof. and listen my heart reaches out to that's you. another thing i i haven't even you know those things where you can't even like tune in where like you know you should be reading the articles and stuff and it's just, i'm just like i can't i, I deleted twitter the other day i was like i deleted twitter too i was like no i'm having flashbacks to 2016 <laughs> like, I, I i feel for y'all i just can't right i now. can't i can't i can't yeah that is um kind of tangentially on a, on another subject i mean i know I was actually, for those of you who've been listening to this podcast uh, for a while, I was mentioned, not by name, in the first episode of this podcast um, when Alyssa and Andrew talked about a friend of Alyssa's who was was afraid to embrace the craft because of their relationship to the earth and the fact that, like, they have trouble asking the earth for for things, um, for having a, a kind of two-way relationship with the earth because of their disability. That was me. Uh, I, I have a, I was really hesitant because I, because it's really hard to be environmentalist when you have a disability. It's, it's very challenging. And, um, and I, I, when it I was, first, um, also in the sea witchcraft episode. Yes. There, you, you did talk about me in the sea witchcraft episode, uh, too. Right? Because I, I brought you to the ocean that weekend because you were just like, I need to be near some water. I'm like, I got it. I got it. It's okay. Well, there was also... No, because I, I was talking about the environment. Oh, was this that... Was that no, also this... You know what it was? I, on the first episode, I mentioned uh, that you had a beach house. Okay. I needed the ocean that you could take. I've got there. this backwards. Yeah, I definitely yeah. I definitely was like, no, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Don't worry. I have it for you. Um, yeah. yeah, and so I, de- I have a lot of... I have a lot of issues... Um, with kind of the environmentalist earth-based parts of of the craft that I'm that I'm kind of struggling with because I in order to keep myself alive do a lot of things that are just not environmentally sound and I, I have a lot of guilt around that and a lot of anxiety around that and also like because my anxiety around that is so bad it's one of those things you have to just check out of you know that thing that like sets your mental illness off so bad that you can't even like be you can't look at it that's what climate change is to me and, and it's like the worst thing to have that reaction about but it's like yeah. any articles and nothing I'm like nope out because if I even read a headline I am just completely suicidal for the rest of the day because it's like the same the same scientific impulse that brought you into the world as a premature baby is the same scientific impulse that brought us to the brink of destruction. Like, that that's how my brain is doing that. I have some thoughts about that for you, which we can talk about later. We'll do that off mic. But, like, yeah, that is definitely something that I was struggling with. Um, and the reason, a part of the reason why I didn't get into this earlier. But, um, but, yeah, no, part of it is so much, like, you can just take 
whatever is a comfort to you and uh, and we're and gonna have a conversation what you want to yeah it's just like so great I love it. I love I love being a part of this, and I love feeling connected to the universe. And it's it's just it's. I actually just before we started recording this, I had just come from therapy, and that was basically what my therapy session was about today. Was like I feel it's the dead of winter. It is the time when I am at my sickest, and I'm feeling so much more happy because of this feeling of of groundedness and connection to yeah. to the universe that this has brought me. So I mean that's that's inc- that's incredible it's 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 keeping me alive which is so great yeah all right on that note yes yeah <laughs> um we should probably start wrapping this up um so if you scroll down to the bottom yes this is um the yes. thing is the sign off everything i'm highlighting in pink i am gonna say right okay Yes. And then everything that's not in pink, you are going to say. Now, before we do this, I have to look it up because my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle are two totally different things and I don't ever remember what they are because I totally don't fair. don't use either of them, so I have to just double check because they so I just made the text pink instead of highlighting cuz it was Yeah, knowledgeable. makes makes it easier. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think I know what they are, but I just have to double check because they wouldn't let me do the same thing for both of those things. So I'm continuously just for whenever anybody's like, what do you want Instagram? I have to like search myself. It's very, it's very dumb. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm good. So you let me know when you want to start the sign off. All right. Okay. All right. So that's about it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Choose a Coven on Twitter at Choose a Coven Pod. That's T W O S A C O V E N P O D. And you can email us at Choose a Coven Pod at gmail.com. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. And please share this podcast with other humans and animals, plants, trees, and rocks. <laughs> I'm Alyssa, and you can find me on Twitter at Liz Right Stuff and now on Instagram at Sea Witch in the City, S-E-A, Witch in the City. I'm Liv, and you can find me at Mamone underscore Liv on Twitter. That's M-A-M-M-O-N-E, and Mamone Liv without the underscore on Instagram. All right, a special thank you to Karen Amador for designing our incredible cover art. You can find her on Instagram at Elador, and now she is on Etsy as well as Elador Designs. I definitely recommend going to check that out. And you may have noticed the music at the beginning was a little different. So we also want to give a shout out to Peter Lelush for our awesome new theme music. You can check him out as AKLF on Bandcamp. All right. Until next time, say hi to your favorite tree and say hi to your favorite beach.